My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Questions and answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Moes. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A very good evening, just after 6 o'clock on VSC 91.3 FM. Um, a little bit of a shortened version, as always, because uh, Maghrib gets us just before as well. But uh, nonetheless, a warm welcome to you and shukran to all those that join us promptly every Saturday evening. Between 6 and 7, alhamdulillah, much appreciated. Please do spread the word that it will be, Mahrib gets us, the in-between will be a bit of a shortened program and we'll try and get as much questions in as possible as well as answers by Sheikh Ibrahim Moes. Assalamu alaikum to Sheikh and welcome back. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to you and uh, to all our listeners. Jazakallah, Sheikh, for being here once again. So let's get straight into our first questions. It says, Salam, is it bid'ah to give a kiddie's birthday party? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين. Yes, if a person considers giving a kiddies party to be part of the deen or to be compulsory or to be sunnah even, and he considers it an act of worship, then yes, it will be bid'ah in the deen. But of course, people who celebrate kiddies' birthdays where they come together and they have some presents and have some eatables and so on, I don't think they consider it to be ibadah or to be worship or to be part of Islam or to be a must or to be compulsory. But it's merely a customary thing of getting together and uh, celebrating uh, a, a happy occasion and to celebrate a happy occasion Allah says in the Quran as for the ni'mah of Allah speak about it so uh, they are uh, remembering the favor of Allah Ta'ala thanking him for it and making some sadaqah and uh, perhaps uh, sharing some food and that's it so if that is the case it's fine as long as it does not become a religious activity or regarded as a religious activity as such that is part of the deen uh, as long as it is not done like that there is no problem whatsoever if a person wanted to uh, you know make some kind of occasion out of this happy occasion such mm. as a birthday for example and especially kids they, they obviously look forward for things like that to get presents and stuff and uh, we should uh, perhaps always uh, also try at that point to speak to them and say to them it's another year gone past and yeah. you know, thank Allah for it, and uh, hopefully you will be protected for the next year, and so on and so forth. And that is all okay, inshallah ta'ala. Shukran, Sheikh, for that advice. Assalamu alaikum. Does brothers and sisters inherit equal share from a sister who had no children? Or is it double for the brothers, Sheikh? Yeah, the, the rule when it comes to uh, brothers and sisters inheriting from their sibling or from children inheriting from their parents is that there will always be a double share for the males uh, and a single share for the for the females. And this is found in the Quran with regards to children. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Yusikumullah fi awladikum unthayain. That is Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse number 11. Allah ta'ala commands that uh, with regards to your children, the male will get a double share to that of the female and in verse 176 which happens to be the very last verse of Surah An-Nisa Allah Ta'ala says وَإِن كَانُوا إِخْوَةَ الرِّجَالَ وَنِسَاءَ 
فَلِلذَّكَرِ مِثْلُ حَظِّ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ And if they are men and women together, meaning they are brothers and sisters, uh, siblings that are inheriting from the sibling, فَلِلذَّكَرِ مِثْلُ حَظِّ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ Then definitely the male will get a double share to that of the female. So that law does apply for siblings in the same way that it obviously applies for, for children as well. Assalamu alaikum Sheikh. I'm married and we only have one adopted son. My husband is now sickly. I worked all my married life while my husband didn't work. I worked for all that we have including the house we live in, alhamdulillah, owner built. Please advise on how the will must be dealt with Sharia wise. Yeah, of course with regards to the husband and this is the only heir that you have really is your husband. Your husband will obviously inherit 50% of what you own, mm-hmm. 50% Sharia is his portion and as for your adopted son you can obviously make a wasiya for up to one third to your adopted son he's not an heir of course but he is entitled for you to give him if you feel like doing that one third or anything less than that and so in this case for example your brothers and sisters if you have any siblings they will get the remaining share because there will be something remaining after your husband's share and the one third is taken off so that is one thing on the other hand you can if you want you know that you are in your lifetime able to do with your wealth what you want so if you wanted to not wait up until that time but you wanted to put the house in someone else's name or you wanted to make someone else the beneficiary of it, you can do that in your lifetime. There is no issue as far as that is concerned. The other issue that I pick up here, I don't know if I am correct, is that you are kind of alluding that perhaps, you know, your husband is, you said he hasn't been working for a long time. So is it because he didn't work, he didn't want to work, or is it because he couldn't work? So if he didn't work, even though he could, then obviously that nafaka is perhaps still owing to you. Nafaka that he did not give to you is perhaps, but you should obviously know better you would know better whether that was uh, the, the case or not and in that case you can make some kind of arrangement that you know, the monies that are owed to you can be subtracted from what he will receive uh, that can be done but if that is not the case then as I said he will get 50% of your estate regardless of whether you worked for it or not or he helped etc if it's yours in your name it's your position then he will get 50% and your adopted son is allowed to get approximately one third Nothing more than that as part of the wasiya. Shukran so much uh, for that. Uh, our first segment uh, done and dusted. When we get back, we ask a question around um, an, a Muslim being involved with a non-Muslim for, for nine years already. Uh, please uh, do note you can still send through your SMSs, your questions via our SMS line or Facebook or fax on 47913 or just contact Zarina Talib and inshallah she'll get that through to us. Um, as I mentioned before, the question reads about a young individual wanting to know about her parents provident fund is a provident fund part of the estate of a deceased also my father has noted me as a normal beneficiary in his will though I was conceived before my parents were married please advise yeah so let's start with the second one first uh, with regards to yourself being conceived out of wedlock your father obviously one of two things either he wrote a wasiya for you or uh, for up to one third which you are which you are able to receive uh, obviously if you were to receive normal inheritance it would be uh, not a third but rather 50% because a daughter normally receives 50% in terms of you being out of wedlock it would be one third that would be obviously be received by yourself if you are a female and if you are a male you will receive not a fixed share but actually whatever is remaining after all the other heirs have received their portion that's the one option the other option is if you were conceived out of wedlock but you were born 
after six months of marriage when your father and your mother got married and you were born out of after six months when your mother and father got married there are some scholars that say that if the, if you were born in that particular way in that particular period uh, you could still be uh, be considered a legitimate child in which case there is no issue with the inheritance as your father has has stated it and this is a position that is followed in in certain circumstances and then the, with regards to the provident fund the provident fund or the uh, what we would call a pension fund is uh, made up of two parts primarily I think it works such that you pay in every month from your salary uh, to your employer and your employer also pays either the same amount or a different amount in that same fund for your pension one day right uh, or, or when you pass on for your family so the, the two issues we then separate the two the one that uh, the part that you pay in which is part of your salary it's obviously your money so when that provident fund comes through it means that that money belongs to you as part of your assets and will be divided according to Sharia that will be part of the estate as for the part that they put in right the company that is something that you don't uh, own really because it's, it's actually in their possession and it is only given to your beneficiaries once you are no longer there and so that will be considered as a gift that is given from the company to your family members so that second part is not necessarily inheritance but it is something which is received by your family as a gift and so uh, that will not form part of the inheritance so we you, you have to find out in other words your father's uh, fund what is the amount that he paid in over the years and that will be part of the inheritance what is the the, the part that the company is giving that will not be part of the inheritance and then there is one last issue with regards to whatever uh, profits or whatever growth uh, came upon that amount and here you must first make sure whether it was invested in halal things uh, lawful things or not if it was invested in haram things so then it means that growth is not allowed for you to use so that growth must be given away but if it was invested in halal or you can at least figure out what the percentage was uh, or you can estimate it then that will obviously then also be considered for the two sections that we've spoken about it will be split into the two sections so uh, the, the the part or the amount that was given by the company we will not consider that as inheritance whereas the part of your salary which was deducted every month was under the ownership of your father so that will definitely form part of the inheritance inshallah inshallah shukran assalamu alaikum sheikh if a woman bleeds for more than for 15 days istikhada and she makes qada salah um, example like dhuhr in the time of asr must she still take wudu for each salah sheikh in this case for asr and the qada of dhuhr shukran yeah that is the general rule as imam nawawi states in his book minhaj al-talibin he says it very clearly wayajib al-wudu li kulli fard it is necessary for the woman who is in a state of istihada uh, that she take wudu for every fard for every compulsory salah mm. so a compulsory salah whether it is a current salah or whether it is a qada salah you have to take wudu for each walk and regardless of whether it is going to be performed at the same time because the wudu that you have taken is a wudu out of necessity because you are actually impure mm. uh, having some flow of blood etc a person who have istihada there's some impurities that is obviously t- uh, connected to herself so that means the wudu is just out of necessity that you are taking that wudu for those circumstances and hence it is only allowed to make one fart so even if it is a qada and an ada salah meaning like the dhuwar that you missed in the time of asr and you're going to make both salahs now then you will have to take wudu for dhuwar first Make the qada and then take a second hudu with, of course, again, cleaning yourself uh, as best as you can.
and then take uh, make the second salah as well because the general rule states that wudu is required for every fard salah that is performed and the same would apply even if you were to make jam salah let's say mm. you bring two salahs together that is also two fard salahs so there also once you've completed and we know normally there shouldn't be a long period in between the two salahs when you make jam but here the scholars say that that period will be considered valid that is in between the two salahs if it is for the necessity of cleaning yourself and taking a second wudu and that is acceptable and that is in fact what should be done for any person who needs to and this goes not only for a woman who is in, in, in istihada this goes for even a person who has what we call what we call salis will bowl a person who has urine drip mm. that happens you know uncontrollably such a person also have the same hukum they have to take wudu for every fard salah but they can perform any sunnah salahs with that wudu with that same wudu they can recite Quran with it they can do anything else with it that is uh, voluntary uh, but all the uh, fard salahs everyone must have a separate wudu according to the Shafi'i madhab Jazakallah Shaykh let's read Assalamu alaikum Shaykh can an illegitimate child inherit from my estate after my death and also can a murtad person inherit from my estate in other words from the wasiya portion which is one third yeah, with regards to the uh, illegitimate child, yes, definitely you can write uh, out a wasiyah for up to one-third for that particular child. With regards to the murtad, a person who has left uh, the fold of Islam, uh, there's difference of opinion, in fact, whether such a person can be part of a wasiyah or not. We find that the, the Hanafis and the Malikis, they are quite strong uh, that uh, such a person should not receive wasiyah at all. A person who turns murtad, really, there is no sanctity to, uh, given to such a person's uh, property, etc. And there are certain rules that apply there. And so uh, inheritance or wasiyah will not apply in this case. On the other hand, with the Shafi'is, the Shafi'is uh, and the Hanbalis in one view, so the, the Hanbalis are also split up. They've got two views, one agreeing with the, with the first view and one agreeing with Imam Shafi'i. The Shafi'is, they say that a person may receive a wasiyah if it is done specifically to a person, so it mustn't be open-ended. You can't like make a wasiyah for any person who is murtad out there, but it has to be for a specific person. Um, and uh, uh, this is uh, stated in uh, the book of Al-Sharbini uh, Al-Khatib, uh, Al-Khatib Al-Sharbini rather, his book Mughni Al-Muhtaj, where he says, and he is explaining the words of Imam Al-Nawawi of course, he says, وَكَذَا مُرْتَدٌ مُعَيَّنٌ لَمْ يَمُتْ مُرْتَدًا تَصِحُّ الْوَصِيَّةُ لِكُلٍ مِنْهُمَا فِي الْأَصَحِ كَالْهِبَةِ وَصَدَقَةِ He says the, the Murtad, who is a specific person, who did not die while being Murtad. So in other words, he's alive, he's, he's, he's turned Murtad, but still alive and well. Mm -hmm. A wasiyah can be written out for such a person, as long as, as he's a specific person, as I said. And it's the same as giving a gift to such a person, a hiba or a sadaqah, which is allowed. So a sadaqah and a hiba, we make the analogy upon that to say that a wasiyah is also allowed according to the view of the Shafi'i Madhab, inshallah. The, the Malikis and the, the, the Hanafis are a bit more stricter. They say, no, such a person should not receive a wasiyah at all. Mm. And I suppose, you know, for you to decide which one is better, I think you should always consider the fact that, you know, is it going to be a means to perhaps help the person to rethink his or her position, person who turned murtad, you know. Sometimes it could be uh, throwing a lifeline out to that person mm. if you write a wasiyah and shows consideration to that person. That may be, in fact, an indication for the person to reconsider mm. why they have become murtad. So you should, I think, look at the best interest of the person's faith, you know. What will be best for you to gain that person back or to get that person back to Islam? So let's say uh, you're writing a wasiyah to that person, you know that, that per that's going to make him even worse. 
uh, rebellious, you know, mm. or uh, make him even worse of a of a rejecter of the faith, etc. Then you should not consider to write a wasiyah to such a person, okay. right? So I think you should uh, weigh the two options and see which one is better in order to get that person back uh, back on track. Uh, in terms of the deen of Allah Ta'ala. Jazakallah, Sheikh, for that advice. Assalamu alaikum. If a lady had an illegitimate child from a married man, um, is it correct for her to frequent that family's functions, Sheikh Shukran? Yeah, this is something that obviously is awkward because there would always be like sort of ill feelings towards this particular woman and so on. And she should uh, obviously, uh, you know, see what is the best in the particular situation. Is it going to upset everybody around her? Is it going to cause fitna? Is it going to cause trouble and so on? Then you should rather not, you know, if it's not necessary for her to attend, she should not attend. Uh, In other words, she should not be provocative in her attendance. Mm -hmm. And this could sometimes happen. A person uh, wants to say, I will just attend, you know, because my child is here. So I, I suppose if it's a child's function, let's say a birthday of the child or something connected to the child, mm. then the mother is going to have to uh, obviously want to attend because it's her child anyway. Uh, and there is going to be difficult to say to her, don't attend. Mm. But we're talking about functions other than that, you know, just normal functions of the family and so on. The best is to do that which will keep the peace and the harmony and that will keep uh, good relations, you know, without provoking and without upsetting and without undermining uh, people's, uh, people's feelings. And I think that is important in this case. So there's no clear, I can't give a straight answer, yes or no, but you should think what is the best in terms of the repercussions or the the consequences of Mm. your presence at a function. Is it going to upset people or not? Is it going to cause fitna or not? Is it going to cause further feelings, you know, Mm. between yourself and them? Then it's best for you not to attend, you know, and rather wait till the moment is right for you to make sulh or to sort of reconcile with them first Mm. instead of just uh, attending their functions. Jazakallah, Sheikh. So uh, we have time for one last question, Sheikh. It says, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. People are no longer going to greet their family and friends in person. Greetings are done via social media. Would that mean that one can respond via social media as well? Or is it best to greet the haji in person? Please advise your question. Yeah, yeah interesting question. Uh, of course, yeah, we live in those times that the... Uh, that come to mind though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that the personal kind of touch is gone. You know, yeah. people don't have the time, the energy, or let's just say they don't have the interest mm. to really do these things. So they do it via the WhatsApp or the, via the Facebook and so on. And I think think for you, you know, if you know somebody leaving and he's greeted you in that way, I think you still want to gain the barakah, you know, visiting the person and actually greeting the person in, in, in your personal capacity, if you are able to, you know, if you are able to, uh, because the barakah is really to, to really connect with that person, because you uh, remember that you, you are going to hope that that person is going to make dua for you when they leave, and you are also going to make dua for that person. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say it's more of a personal thing, you know, it will be much more better if you can do it personally. Mm-hmm. Although if it's uh, difficult for you or you're not able to or you couldn't make it or you were really busy or tied up, I suppose to greet him back you know, on WhatsApp to wish him well and to make dua for him in that way is also acceptable. It's not that it's uh, completely out of the question. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm just thinking aloud, I mean, uh, in terms of what our custom normally is when you go, you, you take a slavat as well. You know? yeah. As a gesture, we take an envelope with something small to buy a cool drink or whatever as a gesture of a sadaqah. So I suppose you can still do an EFT if you are going to do it over the WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah. Can maybe Allahu alam. But for me, I think the personal thing is nicer, is, yeah. is better. Uh, although circumstances may not allow you, yeah. so you give a phone call or 
send a WhatsApp to at least wish the person well, mm. inshallah, that will be accepted uh, if your intention is pure enough, inshallah. There we go. It's all about the intention. Jazakallah, Sheikh, once again for this part of questions and answers. We appreciate the, the well advice and, and the kind words. Um, all the best and salams to Sheikh's family back home, inshallah, till we speak again. Wa alaikum salam. Jazakumullah khair to you and to all our listeners, inshallah, until we meet uh, in the next show. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Indeed. And from myself, Khawa Salaman, be well. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Questions and answers with Sheikh Ibrahim Wass.